When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Country as well. Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. It is an earnings day again. The season is upon us. We have the continuation of the bank earnings that started yesterday. So we'll talk through earnings from Bank America and Goldman Sachs. We also have a restructuring deal potentially in uh, PG&E. We we'll talk about that. Week uh, retail sales or holiday sales from Target weighing on the retail sector. Our guest today, David Trainer from New Constructs, and he will give us three stocks that he's expecting will either strongly beat or strongly miss their earnings reports in the coming weeks. That'll be at 8.35. In the meantime, Joel, what's going on here in the overnight session? Uh, We're down only a point here, Spencer, at 32.87. A little break overnight down to 77.75. That's right near yesterday's low. So let's keep an eye on that for um, any any, uh, cue to some downside in this market. 32.75 and a quarter was your Globex low from yesterday. Double close up here, folks. 88, that was your close from yesterday. 89.75, your all-time closing high for Monday. Let's clear that and take a poke at 3,300. Crude, 65 a little while ago. Down a nickel at 58.18. Gold in the green by 620 at 1550.80. Silver, that's in the green too by 6.8 cents at 17.81. And don't look now, you Bitcoin bulls trading up. These are the futures $105 at 8,855. Dennis is going to come in and give us his full fundamental analysis on Bitcoin. And I will do that now. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. That was my fundamental analysis of, of Bitcoin because there's no fundamentals to analyze. So all we can give you is the technicals and the technicals. Bring the chart back up because I don't have crypto charts. So I got to look on the pre-market prep show chart. So let's look at these technicals here. Looking right now. Technicals look okay. It has that downtrend going. If we could draw our Jeff Mackey purple crown, you're starting to break out through 8,000. So you know what? Technicals look okay. I'll say 10,000 Bitcoin. Just on technicals. Yep. Okay. Yep. We're trading up. And, uh, you know, hats off to the CME. Uh, They stuck with their contract, their big old contract, their fully margin contract. And two days ago, it traded 13,500 contracts. And then it's, it's the volumes coming in. What do you mean it traded 13,000? Oh, 13,000 contracts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the uh, open interest steadily climbing here. I wonder if Mr. Yusko is uh, using the futures markets here to get in, but uh, there's Bitcoin 
trying to get up to trying to get over 10k we'll see see when that happens uh good morning spencer how are you i'm okay i haven't asked either of you this yet but have you or were you watching the jeopardy greatest of all time tournament because if you didn't it ended last night and you missed who it. won ken jennings won ken jennings beat the kid he beat James Holzhauer and Brady Ritter uh, two to one to zero. Uh, wow! He is the greatest. I ever. thought that kid was gonna rock Ken Jennings. So Ken, Ken Jennings is still the best. Ken is still the best. Yes, that's incredible. I guess it, he knew the Jeopardy button better because remember the kid said he wrote a book on how to. Didn't he? Was the one that wrote the book on how? No, to do you the know, he didn't. He, he, he read the book. He read. There is a book about how to. I guess he, Ken he, Jennings read the book too before he came back on. Yeah, I mean, it, it was them too. Brad was a distant third, but it, it was they were going back and forth the entire time. It was awesome. It was great. Anyway, those rewatch. questions are so hard. I usually get like if there's a hockey category, I usually sweep that category though, Joel. There isn't. <laughs> there it's isn't. really hard, man. These guys wait, are, wait. Actually, there was a Wayne Gretzky wait, question wait, once. Wait. I got it. There was a question last night. There was a question last night. Uh, the Dow Jones uh, hit an all-time low. Uh, of 42 in this year, making it hard for the president seeking re-election. Hit an all-time low of 42. What do you mean? I don't understand. The, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit an all-time low of like whatever the number was, 40, 42 uh, in this year, which made it hard for the president seeking re-election. Or maybe the number I'm... Okay, whatever you've done. The, number, the, the Dow Jones is not at 42. Well, no, 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 Dennis. This is I'm confused. This is why I don't do trivia. <laughs> The Dow Jones, interpret this for me. I'm lost. Uh, okay, when do you think the Dow Jones was at like 42? Uh, well, what that, year was yeah, that? 42. That's, that's the question. Like, well, that's like, like not like like 42,000. Like, like 42. Like, not, like Great Depression is was really, oh, yeah, yeah, like that, back in the 20s. That's what I'm going for here. 19- I'll say, th- was there an election in 30? That that was my guess, but it was wrong. It was 1932. 1932. Uh, because there probably wasn't an election in 30. Yeah, FDR. Yeah, I was just, I was close. You were on the right track. Dennis was nowhere. I had no idea what you were talking about. 42. Like I mean, I see the Dow Jones train up at 28,939. <laughs> you say 42. I was like, are you just skipping all the handles here? Like the 28,000 part? No, I'm talking like Great Depression is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. No, I have no idea. That was a well before my time. I was even before Joel's time, actually. It, just by wasn't a few it, Joel? Years. Were you alive in nineteen thirty-three? Actually, thirty-three. You were born, born in thirty-three, so it was just one year before Joel was born. There you go. Okay. Now that we've clarified that, let's get to the target. Uh, target number. Tarjay. Tarjay, lead the way to the downside. Yeah, they were. Well, you know, in a sense, they were bad, but they, in a sense, they weren't so bad. So the holiday sales uh, for Target uh, up one point four percent. Uh, versus uh, 5.7% in the same period last year, and their own estimate was 3 to 4%. So it was light both on a year-over-year basis and weaker than their own expectations. That being said, it wasn't so bad that they're lowering their guidance. They're actually maintaining their, their prior uh, Q4 EPS guidance. Uh, so it, it, it was weaker than expected, but it wasn't so weak that they're, they're going to have to revise their previously issued guidance. So it wasn't that bad. Such a loved stock, and now it's on sale for 7% off. Just check out. Let's just stop for a second. Look at the five below chart, FIVE, which was an epic disaster. And the stock trades down 23 points. What's it doing two days later? 
Cool. It gets three quarters of the losses back. This is just the type of market. Stocks do not normally do this. It's very rare you will see a stock come out like five below and just completely, completely don't do their, do their don't. mess in the bed <laughs> and on their earnings, on their numbers. There was a, Obviously, there wasn't a scheduled earnings report, but on their guidance. Um, I'm just trying to bring it up here, actually, in the pro. Let me go grab it. Because I just want to talk about the fundamental numbers here for, for five, a second. For five below? Yeah, on five below. And I'm looking, and you know, the comparable yeah. sales were down 2.6% over the holiday period. Um, you can look at their guidance was lowered. Everything was pretty bad. And, you know, punished, punished severely for it. Maybe a little bit too severely. Obviously a little bit too severely. But here you are, the buy the dippers, rule the day, once again on five below. And the stock, here it is, two days later, and if you were buying it under $100, you're immediately up 15% or, or 14%, $114.26 close. It is down today because Target's bringing down every retailer. But that tells me that I'm not selling Target down 9 bucks. I'm not selling Target down 9 bucks because it's just the kind of market that the stocks bounce back. Target is loved. Um, are you early? Could it go to 110, 111, 112? Maybe. And, you know, and I, and I have a little egg on my face. So I said I'd buy the Wells Fargo dip, and that one kept dipping yesterday. So um, the Wells Fargo quarter was really bad. But I, I don't know. I, I, I can't bring myself to just say, oh, yeah, this is really bad. Sell it because I saw what happened with five below. So maybe they pull the, maybe they pull the rug out from under us and actually keep, you know, hitting this one down. But buy the dip has ruled for a long time. And I'm not coming in and selling the dip. I'm not going to start selling the dip because selling the dip typically does not work. Sometimes it does, but more often than not, it doesn't. Were you uh, were you at the screen when that came out, Dennis? No, I was not. What time was uh, that? Uh, boom, 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 boom. It was well before time. I was awake. Oh, really? Because, man, and this is, I mean, I love the pre-market, you know, love after hours and stuff, but this is just one of these days where, like, if you were in front of your screen when it went through like that, we've been talking about that 122.50, 123 support. I mean, you probably... There was probably nothing there. Let's go there. look at the tail of the tape. Yeah, because that would have been one where... I can where... go look at it on my system here. I want to look at what I was doing this morning, and I'm just going to see what the prints were. So at 6.30, when these numbers came out, I'm going to target, the wrong stock. 6.30, when these numbers came out, the prints were... Okay, so it closed at 125.26. The earliest print, was of size because it was 10 shares of trade at 124. I've got the earliest print at 122.77. So you had to hit it down two and a half dollars <laughs> and you had to be on it within 11 seconds. And that was before there was even, you know, that was, you know, you'd have to be reading the press release, getting into it, finding the numbers because there wasn't even, you know, like obviously it takes media a few seconds to read it and then republish what the, the you know, the prevailing stuff is from the press release. And then if you look at it, just trading 30 seconds later, it was down at 119 and then 118. And then a full two minutes later, it was 115. So, and, hmm. and you're talking about maybe 1,500 shares, 2,000, a lot of odd lots, maybe 2,000 shares trading in there. So you're not getting rich. It's not like you can go hit 10,000 shares and go collect $10,000. Not at all. Especially when they come out that early in the morning, there's just no liquidity. There's nothing in there. 
Uh, hey, Spencer, we're getting people having problems watching this on uh, iOS again. Were you, were, you able to, were you able to research that all? And then I also I saw somebody saying they had problems getting it on their, uh, on their phone. Yeah, I'm still looking into it. It, it appears to be a YouTube-related issue, but I'm, I'm not quite YouTube. sure why. Okay. If you're having problems, I recommend either trying the app or trying a different browser. Um, Working here. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, let me argue. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to give you a point counterpoint on these. Stocks. Yeah, give it. Yeah, I like point point counterpoint. Sure. Uh, five below was in you know a downtrend, right? And it had kind been of get, yeah. uh, kind of a no trend. Yeah. Well, it peaked over what, what 150, and it was hanging yeah, out at 115 when it got hit. Sure. Right, sure. Right. 120. Yeah. So. You know, the shorts got a windfall there when it, you know, 121.23 was a close on Friday. You could scoop it up under 100 on Monday. Pretty big windfall here, right? Well, on the opposite hand, Target's been going up forever, right? This was uh started the year, what, you know, over 100 bucks, had this big run up. It's doubled since 2019. So people are sitting on profits right and now it's gapping to a gap area i would love i mean i would love to see this thing float back up into the 120 handle obviously not shorting it in the hole but i just think that there's a different psychology in the stock i mean look at this monthly candle that you had uh when the stock went from 107 to 127.97 very unusual move so i think there's more natural sellers in this thing maybe not down at the level that it's at but I think the higher you go, the more sellers you're going to find in this. I mean, and it's a good point you're making. You know, just consider this. Target was up over 100% in 2019. Is this the kind of stock that goes up 100% and doesn't have some, you know, pullback? This is your pullback that you're getting. So is there room down 109, 110? Absolutely. Am I coming in selling down any stock down 7%? No, because, again, this market just has this buy-the-dip mentality here. So... I think I, I think it's a tricky one to trade. I'm probably just hands mm -hmm. off, but I would be more prone to buy the dip as opposed to sell the dip. But okay. maybe you can get it cheaper. Maybe you can get her down at 112. I could easily see this thing 111, 112. There's room there. 109, 110. I think you got some pretty hard support down there. Start get down there. That's where price is memory. That's where it hung out in October, November. That's where you, you know you definitely have some probably some support down there. So Fills you're a little early, like you were saying, 10. even the gap. I heard you on the pre pre market show. You really have a gap all the way down to 111.10. So if you want to fill the entire gap there, looking at the gap in the chart, which what was the what was that November? Earnings. Why did, earnings. That was actual earnings. Yeah. So you know you're you're creating like an island top here. So you come back down if you fill that entire gap, the island top will be fulfilled. So I could see 111, and then you're going to create a gap and a gap. So it's always interesting. Uh, sympathy plays off this. Walmart, direct Walmart, Costco as well. So look at Walmart down two dollars. This is all because of Target so significantly. And Costco, poor Costco, they absolutely blow it away on their holiday sales, up nine percent. And I said I can't bring myself to buy it because I'm like it's a thick stock, and this is the kind of stock that you know deserves to be up more. But for whatever reason, they probably won't rally in, and they didn't. And now they hit it down two dollars on the crappy Target numbers. So they blow it away, absolutely blow it away, and they really don't go anywhere. And then Target just you know a, a target you know it doesn't do well at all and they knock costco down on it so if i was buying any dip it'd be in costco i don't know if down a dollar isn't much though it's not much of a dip um down at 290 i'd love costco you know from a technical basis but 
That was a Walmart very good too. Call that day. I mean, you're getting yeah. a dip in Walmart. We don't know. We haven't gotten any numbers from Walmart for the holiday sales yet. Correct, Spencer? Unless I was away that day, I don't believe we've had Walmart numbers. Nope, they're kind of the big ones that we haven't gotten yet. So we wait. And do they report their holiday sales? Or are they just going to wait for their earnings at the end in a month? I'm not I sure if they even do it. Don't. I, I would think if they haven't gotten, if they haven't reported it at this point, I wouldn't hold my breath. So Walmart's down. You let the dust settle. Maybe you let the dust settle and you don't trade these things. One thing I will say is uh, Michael Polini in the chat there, Polini in the chat there is saying Kohl's is down on this. Kohl's already reported their number. Kohl's is so they're not going to get rocked. It's not like Kohl's going to go lose $2 or $3 on expectations that their sales are going to be bad. They already had their sales. So it traded a couple hundred shares down or it traded some 45.90. It traded actually quite a bit of share. It's already bit up at 46.12. So it's already starting to get some of those losses back. I mean, you know, Macy's same story. And this is not direct. You know, the direct plays, when I think Target, you know, I think of Walmart and I think of Costco. Um, Kohl's is not, you know, obviously Target does a lot of different things and not a direct competitor. Kohl's more comparable to the Macy's and the Nordstrom's. That being said, this bar is set so low for Nordstrom now because, you know, the Macy's was okay, but Kohl's was no good at all. Target's no good. I mean, everybody's five below was a disaster, and even though it bounced back. I mean, the retail, the, the bar is set so low for JWN. If they report holiday sales and they're anything okay, I think he can rally. So believe it or not, out of all of these, if I want to own one right now, it's probably JWN. Maybe they really, you know, don't do well either, and they head it down again. But the bar is set really low for JWN. I just don't understand these stocks because uh, I wouldn't, like, I go to all these, if, if I go buy these stores, I just, don't know what I would buy like in any of them. And they all sell the same thing. And I don't know, like everyone just, Oh, I'm not going to Kohl's anymore. I'm going to target. I the tricky stocks to understand, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens. We got uh, Costco. That was a great call on that day because it did rally up over 300. It is now trading below the level it was when it gave that great news. So, uh, keep an eye on, we'll see, we're trading down. We've already, we're already off the pre-market low. So maybe if you're looking to pick that up on the cheap, that'd be uh, look at your pre-market low at 95.80. So let's call it 296. And once again, if you do go into rally mode on this one, can't say 300 exactly, uh, 301. Uh, you have two highs at 30065, 301. I don't think those will come into play today. No, because stocks trading down. I'd say what's more yep. to come into play is the 296.80 double bottom. So if you look at okay. 296.66 on the 10th, and then 296, uh, yes, yeah, 296.66 on the 10th, and 296.80 on the, on the January the 13th. Okay. So I would say that is more the number that I would lean on. You get down there and in that 296 area, maybe it holds again. Although they'd say there's no such thing as a triple bottom. So that's the target story. Should we go into the Goldman Sachs and the bank's earnings? Yeah, sure. Earnings here. Goldman Sachs. So technically it was a mixed report. They missed on their earnings per share and beat on the sales, but we'll get to why they missed on their EPS in a second. Uh, Q4 EPS comes down to $4.69 versus a $5.46 estimate. So miss, like I said, sales beat $9.96 billion versus $8.51 billion. However, that earnings per share includes a $1.09 billion litigation charge. Yeah. Uh, if not for that charge, their earnings per share would have been in the mid to high $5 area. So they would have more than beat. Like beat the estimate there. 
so what is what is now technically a mixed report really would have been a, a beat and a beat. Uh, and and you're seeing I mean, the stock trade this morning, but it's better than it looks is what I'm saying. Yeah, and Goldman seems to always beat some of the expectations and then they see, whoa, the number. But again, those litigation charges, you shit back those out because it was a one-time event. Again, a little pullback here. It's had a little bit of a run. We've seen Goldman Sachs sell off on really good reports. You know, and this is, you know, an okay report when you back that out. Not a great report if you don't back it out. So is it surprising it's down at $1.83? Not really. That being said, the banks have been tearing it up. Um, the Wells Fargo did not bounce at all yesterday, but I, I, guess, I guess I should have looked at that Wells Fargo quarter a little bit closer because it was really bad. You know, you, when you're speaking the numbers, you don't really process them, but when you read it and say 93 cents versus $1.12, you know, that was just a complete mess, even on an adjusted basis. So, um, you know, when I was saying a 50 and a half yesterday, I guess I should have looked at the quarter closer because um, it's not surprising on numbers that bad that it would continue to leak. So maybe you get the Wells Fargo, maybe it gets down 47, 48, lots of support down there on that one. Um, if it was to go down another dollar, I'm I'm not even trying to make a call. This is a, this is one one of those curveballs, Joel. This Goldman Sachs. This yeah, could go anywhere. It's they could turn around and start buying again. They could continue to sell it off. There's no easy trade here, at least not from a technical basis. No, I would, uh, man, let's see. Man, you had, uh, let's see what the closing high uh, of the move is. And uh, that comes in at yes yesterday's um, close at forty five sixty six. You also had a close at forty five twenty one. So let the dust settle here. I would use that as resistance now, a double close area at the high of the move. Of course, if you take that out, yesterday's high is quite a bit above that. But uh, for you know, for them to prove to me that they like this goal and report, the rally is going to continue. We're gonna get. We're gonna make a new all-time close, or not all-time closing high, but uh, a new high on the move uh, above two forty-five point sixty-six. Let's do Bank of America as well. BAC trained down just slightly. Give us those numbers, Mister Israel. Yep. This report was also mixed, but no such charge to sort of uh, change how that one actually uh, looks. Seventy-four cent EPS versus a sixty-eight cent estimate, so beat on the EPS and a sales miss. 22.3 versus 22.35 billion. That's basically inline, inline sales and an EPS beat. I mean, Citigroup and JP Morgan did set the bar pretty high for all these stocks there yesterday. Obviously, Wells Fargo did not. So, BAC 3520 trading down. Did you been catch such this an uptrend. one, Dennis? You might have. You had to catch. Did you see what this traded up to? And here's, you know, and, and I, I just want to make a point here is sometimes I trade the headline numbers, but okay. this, it's a really hard, this is not my bread and butter to come in and like interpret the number in 0 0.5 milliseconds and then start trading on the headline numbers. I'm a sympathy trader. So when I see the Bank America or, you know, and, and this was difficult because in, you got Bank America trading higher you know, on the initial numbers, you know, then I'm looking, okay, what other banks can I buy? But you just got Goldman coming. So it's hard to really do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the case of like Target, if I would have been awake this morning, I wouldn't have been trying to sell short Target. I would have been trying to sell short Walmart and Costco. So I've lost a lot of money trying to chase the leader, but I use the leader as an indicator to, to trade the laggards. And that's where my bread and butter is. So, you know, when you're asking me what, you know, was I awake to trade Bank America? Even if I was awake, there's very little chance I would have been trading Bank America on the initial numbers. Do you know why it I said that, though? would have been the sympathy. Do you know why? And I really no, wasn't. No, I don't know why you said that. 
because it made it went up to 36. It got a little bit overdone. But how do you know? I mean, you look at it, you see a beat, and you know, you see what they did yesterday. I mean, yeah, it's probably something in the book there, too. So maybe exactly. it would have been a good you know, uh, spot because once you get through a whole number and you haven't been up to 36 in Bank America and... You did at the end of the year. You did at the end 36? of the year. 36? I don't see 36. You got, you said near it. I see... 35.72, but you haven't been through 36. Correct. You haven't been through 36 in decades. 100 years. <laughs> 100 years. <laughs> What's the all-time high in Bank America? Uh... Man, I used to trade this thing a lot. This will be I, shocking to some people because if you're newer to trading and you look at a 10-year chart, you're seeing this thing, you're like, oh, this is at all-time highs. Ah, 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 ah. Take this chart back below before the financial crisis. This is significantly off all-time highs. I was going to guess 55. I'm guessing like 70. It was, no, no, it was 55. 55? 55.08. What year was that? Oh, 2006. So if you bought this thing in 2006 and held for 14 years, <laughs> you were still down 35% on your money. Buy and hold. Yeah. It was yep. also when I stopped putting banks in my long-term portfolio after the financial crisis. <laughs> what, I have a few banks. It's not entirely. Could you name a couple of the banks, I know I've asked this before, that make up Bank of America? Oh, that they came and bought like during the financial crisis? Oh, Merrill. Yeah, yeah Merrill's Merrill? an obvious one. But going a lot farther back than that. Oh, they've just accumulated like you know banks their whole time. Like, did they buy Wachovia during the financial uh, crisis? Did no, I don't. Did they buy? Somebody bought Wachovia. Uh, and what um, about um? Did they buy? Was, who is that lender? The crazy lender, Countrywide. Countrywide, yeah. They yeah. they bought Countrywide too, didn't Ooh. they? All these stocks are basically going under, and the Fed I made them come in and start scooping up these other companies just to save them i think i think bank america bought countrywide but yeah you forget who bought who right jp morgan bought their stearns to save them it was a mess i mean you go back into that if you're newer to trading that 2008 2009 was incredible trading and there was so many banks that were literally going on and they let lehman brothers go under and then they're like we can never do that again because it was so much you know everybody bank and there was so many repercussions from that you know, like it, it basically was too big to fail and then they failed it anyways and then it was a complete mess. So they didn't let Bear Stearns go under. I don't believe they like Countrywide or Covia. There were so many banks that wanted to, you know, basically go under though back in 2008, 2009. And I truly believe if the Fed wouldn't have came to the rescue that we would have lost a pile more banks and, um, you know, maybe maybe almost all of them. There, it was a big mess. Uh, they bailed Alex- out City. Alex, big guy, tweeter. Um, he must be as old as me. Uh, Nations Bank was. Nations uh, Bank. Is that uh, the one you were thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the 90s. Oh, they and, bought so many banks. And then, I mean, um, that's why we got the big five or six, right? Because there used to be a lot more banks. And yeah. they've, you know, just slowly been. I mean, there's lots of regionals. There's still a lot of banks out there. But, you know, the big guns, they, a lot of them been scooped up. Remember JP Morgan Bank One? Yep. Bank One was a big one. ONE. Remember trading that, Joel? Yep. 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 Um, I think it's JP Morgan that bought those. And you get it all confused now. It's decades later. But I think and I think I think Morgan. originally it might have started out as like the Bank of California. And then they bought Nations Bank and they went on a roll. But anyways, that was, is there a new NB symbol? Because that was that was a good stock back in the nope, nope. no NB trade. Okay, no so and, uh, and Spinner making a point is JP Morgan was one of the lone survivors. JP Morgan really is making new all time highs. That's been the best of breed. Has Goldman? Goldman hasn't made a new high yet. 
Has it? No. Uh, well, obviously, it hasn't even hit the highs from 2018. But where is he? Goldman Sachs all-time high. Uh, Did it hit 300 ever? Goldman's come along. It's almost at all-time. 275.31. Oh, and that's recent. So that's the all-time high. So Goldman, Morgan Stanley, I believe, was 85. I'm just you know challenging my numbers. It's right out of my head. I remember an 85 in Morgan Stanley. Am I right? Uh, Morgan Stanley. 85. 9131. 91. I was even higher than that. I remember seeing 85. So, yeah. So all these banks, you bought these things the last 15 years, you're still down money, except in JP Morgan, which is just awesome. Jamie That's Diamond. The Jamie Diamond. Remember when he bought the Jamie Diamond low? Remember when uh, we talked about that? Yeah, that's what turned that? the whole market around. He's like yeah. coming in and buying stocks. January of 2016. What did he buy? Like uh, Was it 2016? 15? Yeah. They yeah. called it the Jamie Diamond bottom. I don't know. Yeah. He came in and bought or was, was yeah, bullish. He, or something. he came out and said he was bullish, and and then he bought a bunch of shares of his own stock. And Can I – okay, can I take this away from the banks for a second? And I just sure. want to bring up a stock that we, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show, but MNTA. I want to just say how ridiculous this market is now. So MNTA reports earnings yesterday, and they rally the stock, uh, in, you know, five, six bucks here. A huge move, huge, huge move. So then you have JP Morgan yesterday or, or last night. This is a chasing upgrade, you know, and they come out and they upgrade the stock because the stock's run up five bucks and they put a price target of 30 on it. It's almost trading to 30 in one day. It doesn't mean it has to go there. You always say it doesn't have yeah, to go, you make fun to go of there immediately. This one's going there immediately. This one's going there immediately. And I don't know anything about this company. Maybe it goes 30, 40. I don't know where it's going, but I'm just saying you come up with an upgrade. And you're going to price a thing right to the price? This is the only new information here this morning on MNTA, is that it got an upgrade from JP Morgan, and they put a price target at 30. So the market buys this thing up to 29.60. They already buy it up to basically the $30 price? Is that not ridiculous? Is, are upgrades worth that much now? Uh, well, yeah. Upgrade? And what I mean by chasing is they're, reporting, they're doing an upgrade after the good news, chasing the price in essence. Uh, the same thing had there. Well, there was a double catalyst for Tesla that one day because it had the price target raised from 385 to 615. And then Kramer was talking about it. And, uh, you know, so that was uh, the double whammy there. But, uh, yeah. Do you I see mean, what I'm saying here? You always yeah, say I know what you're saying. When, Emmett, when, when a stock gets upgraded, it doesn't mean it's going there right immediately. Well, this one did. You yelled at me the other day for anything, saying that. Even, so, so I always want to know, is if this thing trades 30 today, does JP Morgan come out and downgrade it to neutral the next day because it already hit our price target two days later? Spencer, did he yell at me the other day for saying that? Or was that – oh, no, that was um, – no, This is an example. I'm giving you credibility. It was buybacks. Say it. It's, it was a, buybacks that I said. This is they, an actual example of a stock that's trying to go there immediately. Is this not overdone? I don't know, and 29. 29.80. Did it hit 29.80? Yes. Somebody just sees, oh, J.P. Morgan thinks it's going to 30. I can safely buy this thing up to 30 right now. That, that is correct. Crazy. I mean, the stock's got momentum going. Who knows? You know, these things get momentum. It's, it's, stock's name is Momenta. So I guess <laughs> the momentum is carrying Momenta. But wow. I, am, I actually saw this upgrade last night, and I was like, ah, I think I could have bought it at 26. And I was like, well, I'm not paying up, you know, 65, 70 cents. Sure wish I would have. Holy mackerel. I not see this thing going to 29.80. Anyways, that's just my thoughts. Let's just do real quick. 
the last of the notable earnings reports, I think, for us this morning will be UNH, uh, just large company. Um, they beat on the EPS, missed on the sales, and reaffirmed their guidance for the year. Not a big mover, but big company. It can move, though. 300 bucks. That's the line in the sand for this thing. You know, you're at 291, and these things are wild. They can get wild on earnings, but we had a tick right on the kisser on December the 20th at 300. There's you nothing did. more psychological than 300. So I'd say up in the upper 298, 299s, you got major resistance. Get through 300, it gets interesting. So upper 290s, I'm a seller until it could get through 300. Uh, it's trading. Yeah, it's two ninety fifty one. So we're not just saying not, it's going to three hundred. No, 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 no. Like I'm people, saying it, but people no. get confused and they say, "Oh, I said three hundred, and oh, I think it's going to three hundred. I'm just saying if nope. it gets up there, there's major resistance up there. I have no idea if it's going up or down, but if it gets up to two ninety seven, two ninety eight, I'm more inclined to be a seller. There's a couple other daily highs. It had a big fall. I'm not sure what the catalyst was um, on Monday for it to fall ten dollars. Uh, but you're high on Monday. You haven't even hit that yet. So if you want some intermediate targets ahead of that, uh, 94.45 uh, was your high on Monday and then Friday. And then I'll even give a number ahead of that. You got a pair of highs at 297. Let's call it 297.29. That splits your highs from January 8th and 9th. Our buddy JV Spec is also alerting us that not only is it big on the charts, it is big in the order book. UNH has uh, a 70,000 share offer at 300. Obviously, it takes some big bucks to push it through there. So you're backed up by some size at 300 as well. Hey, did they chew through that Uber guy yesterday? They did, right at the end of the day. Or did they? Is Uber guy, it traded 3502, but that could have been on a different exchange. Did they chew through it? I don't have my book open. JV Spec, you're sitting right there. Has Uber still got that size or did they, they chewed it up? I think that it's trade 35 OT. You'd assume they shoot it up unless you got this fragmented market where it trades a hundred shares through it somehow. Is there anything JV spec on Uber at 35? It's at we'll wait on that. That 34.98 right now. He says there's nothing there. So they did chew it up yesterday. I mean, they get up there, they chew the stuff up. So they, they, they can go through this. It's not impossible. Um, it's, it's, it's always interesting when it gets right there though. And then it doesn't continue the party. So if you're bullish Uber, you want to see it back going, through the $35. Uh, just uh, for those, you know, we talk about, you know, the tractor beam, we talk about these big levels. If there's ever a warning, if it's late in the day like that and you're going into that size, you know, that's Hard probably like, it. yeah, that's probably like the worst. The early thing. start gets you through it sometimes. Yep. Yep. But they had to get the running start. Yep. See if anybody, uh, reloads uh jv spec either someone he says eighty thousand at 35 oh so they have to come out so a little bit there's a little bit of reloading there but i think he said yesterday if i go to i don't have my sheet in front Half of me a million I thought or I was something like a couple hundred thousand shares i remember it being big jv spec saying it so they chewed some of it up anyways a little bit right. of a reload so keep that in mind uber still 35 resistance until it gets through that 70 or that eighty thousand shares all right, it is 8.35. I'd like to bring on our guest today. His name is David Trainer. He's the founder and CEO of New Constructs, and he's got for us a few stocks on his radar that uh, he's looked at their historical earnings reports, and they're, they're, uh, he's looked at what the stock has done and what their expectations are, and he has expectations that these companies are going to either strongly beat or strongly miss on their earnings. David, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you again. 
Uh, before we get into the stocks on your radar, like uh, if you can give us a quick refresher, you were on our show maybe a month or two ago. Uh, the, the research you're doing at New Constructs, explain the idea of like earnings distortion. Explain what that concept is. Yeah, most people don't have time to read filings and comb through all the footnotes and fine print and press releases, 10Ks and 10Qs, and we've developed technology to do that exactly uh, as well as an analyst can do it. Uh, and we've been developing this technology for 17 years. Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan recently published a, a study showing that the technology produces better data than what is available in the marketplace from either CompuStat or the street. They do this fancy math to prove all that. And so we've got a research product that we make available that leverages the insights from the study and we have what we call earnings distortion scores, which rank companies based on how likely they are to meet or beat or miss their earnings numbers based on how much noise has been in the earnings in the past. So for example, if we see a company that's got a bunch of unusual gains baked into their numbers, well, they've been overstating profits and they're more likely to miss going forward because analyst expectations are unduly elevated because of unusual or transitory items that have been artificially propping up the numbers. The reverse on the negative, right? If they've been taking in a bunch of unusual expenses, sort of filling the cookie jar, so to speak, and have caused, management has caused their earnings to be understated, well then those companies are more likely to beat going forward. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look, look at the Goldman Sachs report today, but this is sort of what you're talking about. They had a massive legal charge related to uh, the scandal going on uh, in, uh, in, I believe, in Malaysia right now uh, that, that sort of weighed heavily on the earnings per share. I don't know if you saw that, but this is sort of what you're talking about in action today. Yeah, yeah, the, the um, um, MDB or something. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great example of, of an unusual expense. Now, there's two, two sort of key characteristics of that. Number one, it's very well known, right? And it's been telegraphed for a long time because they've been under investigation for that one. Uh, and so that in particular is not necessarily something that we would find to be as market moving as a lot of the stuff that we find buried in the footnotes. Uh, right. on, on top of that, the legal expenses and gains tend to be a little more predictive in fact, right? Because they are so unusual. And they sometimes can have sort of a knock-on effect in terms of their indication around the width of a moat of a business. For Goldman Sachs and this one-time settlement, not so much of a big deal, but when Apple wins a big patent lawsuit and they get a gain from the settlement from, you know, via Samsung, um, that's important number because it's noisy, number one, and it's not part of a normal operations. However, it does speak to the width of the moat around Apple's business in that hey, you know, we just got legal uh, backing that Samsung is cheating and our product is better. Uh, so there's some interesting things you can do. We have 13 categories of these unusual items that we laid out for the professors at Harvard and, and MIT. And um, it's, we're the first ever database to do that. So we got this earning score uh, and it's been really popular. We've been pretty accurate with it, uh, you know, you know, you, you can, companies can, can manipulate earnings for a long time. And that's another thing that the study proves is that there is clear management bias as to the magnitude and regularity of disclosing items in the footnotes as opposed to on the income statement. So 
They're manipulating earnings on purpose. They're taking advantage of the fact that people don't read footnotes. But you never know when they're going to stop, right? So Enron had something like 350 people that they hired and paid to do nothing but bury data in the footnotes. Right. And so they could pull it off for a long time. So, so anyway, some the good of the, news is we're giving people a sense of how much risk there is in these earnings estimates. So let's get to some of the stocks that you have on your radar. I, I want to start with Pfizer just because it's the, it's reporting the uh, closest to today. Their Pfizer reports on the 28th before the market opens. Uh, based on what Pfizer has uh, previously reported uh, and what, what they've included in their footnotes, what do you expect for Pfizer uh, in terms of earnings and also just earnings distortion and, and what, what may or may not be there? Yeah, we've got a strong miss rating on on Pfizer. Uh, you know, they've got uh, a, some significant unusual items. We would call five point three billion in, in net earnings distortion, right? So the and that's overstated earnings by five point three million five point three billion over the last twelve months. Most of that comes from an eight point one billion dollar gain on the completion of the consumer healthcare joint venture with Glax, GlaxoSmithKline that was reported in the third quarter last year. That's uh, partially offset by a $3.1 billion impairment charge. Uh, so th at the end of the day, 5.3 billion, uh, or about 33% of the trailing 12 months earnings. Um, so that's a big number. And that's, over, that's caused the earnings to be overstated. So we think that the consensus estimate of 57 cents a share um, is a little bit too high, and there's a good chance that they could actually miss that number because analysts haven't 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 uh, haven't pulled those unusual gains out. They're looking at an overstated number in the past, and we don't know for how long Pfizer can continue to find one-time items to artificially prop up earnings. So, when you say you have a, a strong miss uh, score on on Pfizer, you're, are you saying that you expect the company? will miss the expectations? Or are you saying that maybe they won't, but in, uh, in reality with all the footnotes, they will? I'm saying this is the most, this strong misses are sort of worst score. So we go strong miss, miss, inline, beat, strong beat. And the likelihood of missing is very strong because of the level of unusual gains that have Got been it. propping up numbers. Got it. All right, let's move on to uh, 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 Lamb Research, uh, LRCX. They report uh, on the 20, I just had it, I believe around Pfizer, actually, uh, Lamb Research. They report the 29th after the close. Let's look at LRCX. Tell us what you are seeing here. We've got a, a beat score on, on these guys, so we think they're going to beat the number. Um, this is a stock we've liked for a long time, and we've written on it multiple times. It's been a long idea. And what we found is that they got some 139 million in net earnings distortion that caused their numbers to be understated, uh, in particular 64 million and some tax adjustments. Um, but overall, 89 cents a share of the trailing 12 months or 7% of the reported earnings. And so we think that they uh, have about a 13% increase that we would see naturally baked in and the analyst earnings estimates are not quite that strong. And so, we, um, I'm sorry, the analyst estimates imply a 13% increase, whereas if you're looking at core earnings, you're really only looking at a 6% increase. So we think that there's a good chance these guys can beat because their earnings have been understated by unusual expenses. And we like the stock in general a lot as well. It's got really high returns on capital and it's done really well for us over the last year or so. 
And then last one I want, I want to look at uh, is Qualcomm here. They report uh, on February 5th after the close. What are you seeing in Qualcomm based on uh, prior reports and prior footnotes? Yeah, under, earnings are understated. We got a strong beat score for these guys. Uh, and so 62% uh, of reported earnings uh, in distortion, right? So that's a pretty big number. Um, unusual expenses. And when we remove those items, we're showing that core earnings are more like 583 a share, well above the gap earnings of 360 on an annualized basis. basis. So you got a business where the underlying strength is really strong. We had these guys as a strong beat last quarter, and sure enough, they beat in Q4, uh, and the stock's up 13% since that prediction uh, versus 9% for the S&P, and we think there's more to go in the business, this business that's you know, had always had really strong underlying economics, but we, we know now that their technology uh, has, got, has got some real staying power and the width around the moat here in terms of their ability to continue to create chips that make them important and often essential to cell phone manufacturers is sustainable. And so we think this is a, a good stock and it's got nice uh, near-term upside potential with a strong beat earnings distortion. So you predict uh, you know, beat in, in Qualcomm or, or miss in Pfizer. Uh, do you have any insight into how the stock historically reacts to the to past reports and whether the move is justified in your opinion or, or whether it's not? You mean Qualcomm in particular? Or, or yeah, any of these names. I mean, do you have any, any, any thoughts or, or insights into how they've reacted to, to past reports? Yeah, you know, it, it's, um, I heard you guys talking, you know, I came on a little bit early and, and uh, you know, some of these stocks, uh, you know, the, the way they react to a variety of announcements uh, is a head scratcher. Uh, Qualcomm, we saw, you know, on the news of beating the number, had a big jump and it since outperformed the S&P as well. Um, and, you know, it just, it, it kind of depends. Sometimes it's an, an outlook question too. So they can beat, but they can change their outlook and that's going to affect things as well. There are a lot of factors uh, around what happens on a conference call and around what's going on with the business outside of the pure earnings number. Right. Um, but as you guys know, and like, you know, we see on CNBC all day long and we talk about earnings all the time and we're in the middle of an earnings season. And typically though, earnings beats or misses uh, in the short term have big impacts on stock price movement. That's why we developed the score. In general, New Constructs is a very long-term oriented research product, but we've got this near-term indicator that helps really highlight how much risk there is in the near term because of quality of earnings. And we've talked about it on our show, uh, market sentiment for the day, Trump's guidance in the report, which Trump's earnings in the report, uh, and and then there's the whole, you have to take into account the trend and if, if the stock is running or uh, gotten crushed. And, and there's a lot to, to take in. Dennis, did you have some? There's a lot of considerations, obviously. You know, yeah. And I'm a trader who trades earnings. So, you know, and I've obviously, you know, looked at a lot of different things as well. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, you got to be lucky enough to report on the right day too. I mean, if you get a day where the market is just getting killed and a company comes out and beats that day, well, there's a higher likelihood that there's not going to be as good of a response to it because, hey, they're just selling everything here right now. So uh, I wonder if you, you know, and I always wondered, you know, and this maybe is, you know, something for your firm to look into, um, if there's like, you can back out all those macro effects and I'd be really hard to do. I don't even know how you'd go about it, but, you know, if you could back out and say, okay, well, the market was down 2% this day, this company reported, 
pretty good numbers, uh, but you know they probably got punished because they were throwing the baby out with the bathwater type deal. I mean, do you guys track anything like that, or is that something on your radar? You know, that's a great question, and the, the answer is, you know, yes, we do, and we do all those things you said, really just by looking at performance over a longer period of time. Over a longer period of time, that right. stuff sort of evens out, and the underlying strength of the business, the underlying strength of core earnings which we focus on doing and the, the paper I mentioned demonstrates that we do significantly better than, than anyone else. Um, you know, that's what you need to focus on because as you said, it's like almost impossible to predict or to understand all the different things that can clutter a trade. A lot of dynamics. Exactly. Exactly. Dennis. And so um, the only thing you can do, you know, that you can sort of lay your head on your pillow at night and feel good with is, is due diligence on what the earnings power and the valuation of given stock is and its competitive position and uh, stay true to that because I think the macro stuff, I mean, there's some really smart macro people, but it's just given all the sentiment and all these things, like you said, it's just almost impossible to try and control for all those other factors. It makes I've, a lot I've, more sense to try to focus on what you can understand about one company. David, I've got one more stock for you here, and it's a stock that I get a question about almost every day, um, Amazon. And when I'm looking at it, it hasn't participated in the recent rally, um, which is somewhat concerning to me. Like somebody was asking me my thoughts on Amazon yesterday. I was like, well, I don't like the fact that this market's been going straight up and Amazon really hasn't been participating as much. So, you know, maybe, you know, it's a consolidation to go higher. But, you know, then I think about, you know, Spinner was making a good point in the chat. There's Shopify, there's some competition coming from there. What are, what are your, what, what's your indicators just saying on Amazon? Uh, you know, Amazon is a re- has been a really interesting company for us for a long time. You know, it, and it's uh, especially since it's sort of been this purposely unprofitable kind of business. Uh, and, yeah. and I think there's a lot of power in this business model. Clearly, you know, everyone talks about the Amazon effect. It's a popular topic. But when you look at the valuation or the sort of future earnings baked into the stock price, um, it's something like expected to be twice as profitable as Walmart. And so, you know, Amazon has been a really popular stock over the years, uh, but we think pretty much all the good news has been priced in for a while. And another thing that people miss is, is the balance sheet on Amazon has really grown a lot these days. And so free cash flow. It's not quite as good as what you're going to get from the operating cash flow on the cash flow statement or what the company's going to talk to you about because they've done a bunch of off balance sheet financing to grow out their cloud facilities. And so um, Amazon's definitely gotten profitable these days. It's got a return on invested capital of 13%. It's, uh, um, it's the highest it's been in about 10 or 12 years. But the expectations baked into the stock price are super high. Uh, and it's it's already priced to be significantly more profitable and larger than than Walmart. Uh, many people believe that that's probably going to happen, but as an investor, you got to ask yourself, how much more expensive can it get? How much more profitable can the expectations baked into the stock price be? You know, will it really take over the world? Because that's already almost priced in. So, you know, risk reward there maybe not as good as people think. All right, we've been talking with David Trainer, who's the founder and CEO of New Constructs. He's got a, a strong beat prediction for Qualcomm, an earnings beat prediction for Lamb Research, and a strong miss prediction on Pfizer. Looking at uh, the nitty gritty of these earnings reports. David, thanks so much for the time today, and uh, have a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. All right, uh, eight. That was good. I always get to the nitty gritty of these reports. Oh look, yeah, look into the footnotes. It like. matters. I mean, expectations. Yeah. You know, he's looking I mean, at stuff the, like that. That Goldman stuff matters. Sachs, Goldman Sachs today is a great example. There was a yeah. massive charge 
that is impacting their their earnings. I mean, their bottom line. That's that's it. So uh, there's more to you know. On this show, we talk about the headline numbers, we talk about the earnings per share, the revenue, but there's obviously more to it for than sure. that. Uh, just for the sake of brevity, we can't get to every detail of every report. Uh, we asked on our show yesterday. Uh, we asked whether uh, which short squeeze would last longer, Beyond Meat or <laughs> and we got we were an, quickly answered. We got an answer almost Im- immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the Beyond Meat was more impressive right off the hop, but short squeeze over, I would say. In my opinion, the short squeeze has ended in Beyond Meat. I think you're going to see you know a little rally here and there, but even on decent news last night, the sellers came through and started selling. Check out the chart. This is my opinion, just my opinion. I have no position in it. Um, check out the chart on Rite Aid. When Rite Aid blasted off into orbit on that short squeeze there the other day, I had a question, you know, when the stock was at 16 or 17. And um, I was like, I think it's over. I think the path least resistance is lower. And here you are, and it's $12. I think Beyond Meat's the same story. Is it, you know, going to get back to 120, 125? Potentially. I think those are selling opportunities here now. That is an ugly candle. You caught a lot of people chasing it yesterday. Imagine, you know, you're like, okay, this, I'm, I can't take it anymore. You're getting this Beyond Meat. I'm, or, you know, or even worse, you know, I was short the Beyond Meat. I can't take it anymore. I have to cover. And you buy that open, you know, and then you blow out at 134, 135, and you watch the thing just fall 25 bucks. I mean, everybody who bought anything yesterday is down money. Anybody who's chasing yesterday is down money. Anybody who shorted the thing and was covering yesterday is puking now because stock's down another six bucks on good news. In my opinion, I believe the Beyond Meat story, that was the short squeeze. I thought it had room when it was 80. I thought it could get to 100. I never in my lifetime thought it was going to get to 135 again. It was a gift. That was a gift in my opinion. And I think when we look at the stock in another month, I think it's back down to 80. That's my opinion. You know, it, it was barring a takeover from McDonald's. <laughs> well, that that won't happen. Because uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I saw what happened at at the open at nine thirty two, at nine thirty five, and then at nine forty, I was like, oh, you know what? All right, I'll, I'm gonna get down dirty just a little bit. Just a oh, little you were bit. trading this, and then and then I stepped away because every Tuesday at nine forty five, we have, oh. we have an all hands meeting, and so and it it, it goes like 20, 25 minutes, and I like. Like whip out my, my phone and I'm just scrolling through whatever and I see uh Beyond Meat halted and I was like I was like wait what and I pull up a chart and all the gains from the morning were just gone. Yeah, that's how quickly <laughs> these things end. They end violently. I was like what 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 yeah. did I miss? I've I've been gone for two minutes. They end violently. When they end, they end violently. And you saw the stock and it halted not because of news. It halted because of volatility pause. It fell too much too fast. Um, and you know, some stocks is 3%, some stocks is 5%, some stocks it's 10%, um, a move in less than five minutes, they will halt the stock just to let, you know, buyers come in or let, you know, cooler heads prevail when stocks are moving too quickly. So you actually had a volatility pause on BYNT, BYND, which is done by the exchange. Just funny how that works out. That's our great um, system. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to uh, PCG here just for a second. They are trading up on a report from Bloomberg that they're nearing a deal with PIMCO and Elliott Management on a restructuring plan. Uh, we probably will not be hearing the last. This is not This is not the last we'll hear of this, but uh, good news, or at least that's what the market says for PCG this morning. 
saw this news last night. I didn't know how to interpret it. So it hit the tape. The press release comes out. And then they're saying, you know, yeah, there is that potential for a settlement. Then they're saying it could be $5 billion. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean there's money left over for the shareholders? Is that good, bad, whatever it is? You get Citigroup, they're chiming in, though, and they're upgrading the stock here to a buy this morning. And they're raising their price target to 15. So they're in the analysts who know a lot more than I do about the fundamentals of this situation are saying it's a buy. And that's helping the stock this morning. So you could have bought it at 12 for a while there last night on this. I couldn't bring myself to because that's above my pay grade to try to interpret bankruptcy numbers and whether there's enough for shareholders and whether it's going to be interpreted as good or bad. So market, Citigroup is interpreting as good. For now, it is trading higher, 1259. Uh, real, two things here. Uh, one, if anyone's looking for a catalyst for the decline here, uh, just another day in Israel as uh, four, four rockets have been uh, shot from the Gaza Strip. Uh, so that's a little bit reason for your de uh, decline here, geopolitical tensions. And uh, looking at that 32.75 area, 75 and a quarter, that was the low for yesterday. That's a big, big uh, number on the downside. Getting a couple questions here on uh, Federal Express. Um, but this news came out yesterday that Amazon lifted the ban on FedEx ground for third-party shipments. I yeah. think what's interesting about this FDX chart is that you did is it was the gap from when they uh when they put it on or was that earnings? Remember? That was earnings. That was earnings. It was yeah. earnings? Yeah. Okay. So Build it. So buy the dip wins again. I mean there's instances that buy the dip doesn't win, but it wins here again, Joel. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if you're looking for continuation um, in this one, obviously you are trading higher by another 62 cents. A real nice two targets here. Uh, 164.78. Mm, that was the high on the day before it had the dip from earnings. So there's a good target for you. And then it really opens up after that to 68.37. Don't see. I'm not sure if that's going to happen yet today. Got another big old gap to fill in this one, but uh, well, one seventy one fourteen. That was a gap back from, I believe, another earnings report. So, uh, keeping an eye on uh, shorter term target one sixty four seventy eight here in Federal Express. I'm still long it in the long term portfolio. Way to Again. hang in there, Triple D. Uh, yeah, way to hang in there. I've watched myself go up 40 points, down, up, down, up, down. The yo-yo, this is turning me off of long-term investing, I'll tell you that much. Can't seem to get anywhere in this FedEx. Had it for a year, all over the place. Next. 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 We cover all the earnings? Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's not much today. We didn't cover or organogram. It is propping up the pod stocks. Yeah, we should talk the pod stocks. Squeeze uh, central. Yeah, OGI was after the close yesterday, and it was, uh, or at least being, is being interpreted as a good report. Uh, the Q1 sales, uh, they doubled on a year-over-year -year basis. Uh, net loss uh, for the quarter, $863,000. That feels like it's getting, it's getting smaller. Um, and it is, it is propping up the rest of the sector, most of the sector. Here. Well, it's actually, they've started giving it back now too, though. Okay. So it was propping them up last night, and you had a continued short squeeze. And I mean, this Tilray... That's textbook short squeeze 101. They stopped squeezing Beyond Meat, and they said, we're going to start squeezing some of these pot names. And T-L-R-Y, impressive, impressive short squeeze yesterday. Is it over? I don't know. It's come back down from those highs. I'd say massive epic resistance at 25, but that's still four points higher than here. So 
hard to definitively say that this one's over. There's no red candle to talk about, so we don't know anything. Like, it's easier to say after the fact. I mean, you know, the same reason I was able to call right. It was like, okay, well, that's over. That's a candle that usually ends a short squeeze. Same thing um, with Beyond Meat yesterday, which is why I think it's over, because that's a candle that typically ends a short squeeze. We've not had that candle until right here yet. I believe this is nothing but a short squeeze in TLRY. Um, the the pop-up in CGC probably similar, although I do like CGC better. Um, and we've always kind of said it's best of breed, and I still feel that way. Um, but, you know, this is a big short squeeze. So you are not just seeing stocks, you know, the Beyond Meat and the Tesla short squeezing. We talked about other ones. Pinterest yesterday, I believe, was a pretty good short squeeze as well. Not that the short interest is huge. It was a little bit of a breakout trade as well. Dan Nathan had said it the night before for a breakout trade. That is continuing here this morning. So when these stocks start going and breaking out, sometimes they can go for a bit, especially ones like Tilray that have a high short interest. So Tilray, classic short squeeze. Hey, Goldman Sachs sells out of Uber. I wonder if that was their offer there at thirty-five bucks. What are you? Where are you getting this headline? CNBC. Goldman I have Sachs it on. I just had it on. Uber. I didn't popped. know they were in Uber. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, maybe from the IPO. Yeah, I was going to say maybe from the IPO. Oh, okay. Thirty-five Uber. That's your number. That's interesting. Well, and uh, Dennis, I know you can't talk about this stock much, but uh, Peloton initiated overweight at Wedbush. I have, no, I have no comments. I got a trading position on it. Just saying. All right. Uh, commenting. One thing I want to mention, uh, I should mention on the top, you can always give us a call uh, throughout the day, during the show even, if you'd like, 734-494-0246. Leave us a voicemail. We'll take a listen and uh, talk about your question on the air if uh, time allows. So, again, that's 734 494 Four, six, or you can always hang out in our chats, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. That's where a lot of our listeners hang out during the show, and that's where we get a lot of questions during the show from there as well. I want to thank our guest today, David Trainer. Thanks to everyone in those chats for their participation. We always appreciate it. Catch our podcast or rewatch our show on youtube.com slash TV. And last thing, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing trading or even exercising advice <laughs> I everyone have a great good rest. one spencer thank you i was going to laugh have a great rest of your day we'll be back with you on thursday mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.